0: get ready for a little bit of a different kind of service than you've experienced before maybe at least normally here at New Spring because today I'm going to be talking about likability in the workplace and I've got help this morning and in a few moments I'll be introducing my help but before we get there let me just take a few moments to talk with all of us who are followers of Jesus I really fear sometimes that we get into this idea that well I kind of have my church life and then I have my family life but work is something else there's sort of like this Line or this wall between work and the rest of my life, because, you know, when I think about maybe Jesus in the workplace, I think about taking my Bible to work, which is a good thing if you have that opportunity, or, or witnessing to my friends, which is a wonderful thing, and all of us are, should be doing this. But what I want us to understand is that Jesus in the workplace is even much larger than that, because everything that we do, if it's if it's right comes from God. You know, I I like reading a lot of business paradigm books. When I'm, you know, at the bookstore, if I'm traveling and I walk through the airport and I'll see a book by Stephen Covey or Jack Welch or Tim Sanders or even some of the other business types who write about, you know, these are the things that are successful in the work environment. I like to read those books because I lead an organization and I want to learn everything I can. But this is what I want to get to. When I read those books, I don't know if all those guys are believers but what i do know is when they hit on the truth the bible god is the source of that truth never forget that god is the source of all truth god is the source of mathematic truth he's the source of medical truth he's the source of business truth you know it's truth is not just something that's religious god's truth is all over the place i mean if you think about the great mathematicians they didn't invent the principles of mathematics they just uh, they, they agree to them and they teach the rest of us how to operate but it was god who invented all those principles i mean it was god who invented two and two equal four so god is behind all truth and so when i read these books about what makes a person successful in a business environment i realize that that truth comes from god unfortunately for some reason churches don't talk about it as much as we should and there's the surprise of that is those of you who follow jesus if you're in the workplace half your waking work Day or, or, or weekday hours are spent at work. So think about this. I mean, half your awake life uh, during the weekdays are spent at work. And so the question that I'm going to ask all of us today is: Does Jesus go with us to work? And do the lives that we live out in the work environment are they truly likable? Because at the end of the day, people are going to be more drawn to Christ by seeing something different in us than by hearing your pastor preach a sermon. And I hope that my sermons always draw, but I'm just saying, you know, when you look at who attends New Spring and why people come, some come because of television, some come because they drove by our church, but almost overwhelmingly, 75% of the people who come to New Spring come and they say, someone invited me. Somebody said, you just got got to come to my church. And so what I'm thinking about is there's something usually that is there before that invitation in other words that person who listens and says okay i'm going to try your church they have to like something in you there has to be something in you that that person says you know what this guy's not perfect this lady's not perfect but there's something about this person that draws me that's attractive to me and so we're going to focus on that today what are those things that make us truly attractive in the workplace i came across a quote this week Gandhi, who influenced the lives of hundreds of millions of people, said, I like your Christ. I don't like your Christians. Your Christians bear little resemblance to your Christ. And I don't know if he was disingenuous or serious, but I know that there are thousands of people in our world who are around us every day who often say that. They say, I like your Jesus, because when they get to know him, they really do like him. But often the Christians are in the way of people really getting to know Jesus. And a lot of us are going to spend a lot of our time with the people who need the Lord in the work environment. And I'm not telling you that you should jump up on a block and start preaching in your factory. That's not what I'm talking to you about. I'm talking about being Jesus in your work environment and living for him. By the way, God does have a whole lot to say about Christians in the work environment. Let me, let me read to you some of the things that the Bible says about Christians working. The Bible says in Colossians 3, verse 23, Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. And then in Ephesians 6, 7, there's a verse that's almost identical, but there's one word that God changes. The Bible says, work with enthusiasm, as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Did you notice that on both occasions that when God tells us to go to work, there's an attitude that makes us attractive, likable? Work with willingness in verse 23 of Colossians 3. Verse 7 of Ephesians 6, enthusiasm. How do you go to work tomorrow morning? You know, if you're like me sometimes, Monday morning, oh, boy, it's Monday morning. The weekend's over. Kind of like walk in and say, okay, where do I start? What's God saying about that? God says, man, you go to work, and it's willing. Like, what can I do? How can I help everyone? How can I support my, super, my supervisor? What can I do? Just, just point me in the right direction. I'm ready to go. Some of us would give our supervisor a coronary if we walked in and did that. And then work with enthusiasm. You know, I mean, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you ought to be the most enthusiastic person in your plant, in your firm, in your school, wherever you are, enthusiasm. God is saying these are the things that are important. And in Ecclesiastes 9, verse 10, the Bible says, whatever you do, do well. My point this morning is we don't pay enough attention. I mean, me personally, and I'm pointing to myself because I'm the leader here. I don't think leaders pay enough attention to the work environment. And perhaps that's because ministers often work at church. There's a whole lot of what I do that's very similar to the business world. There are components that are similar. But I think sometimes ministers make the mistake of just saying, okay, this is the Christian life and giving it to us in sort of stained glass platitudes and even doctrine. But we need to hear what it's like when we go out for those five or six days a week when we're in the work environment. And I really try to cultivate um, relationships and friendships with, with, with some of you who are like, you know, at the top of what you do. I don't mean necessarily that you have this high profile job necessarily, but you're just, you're successful at what you do in the workplace, and I try to learn everything I can get from you so that I'll know how to more skillfully communicate to all people who listen and watch by television. One of the closest friends that I have is Rich G. For 18 years, Rich G. served as Senior Vice President of Bank of America. He oversaw Bank of America's HR department for 13 states. And he interviewed and brought into the team some of the top talent in the region. And beyond that, he helped develop their careers. And Rich knows what it's like on the tough days to have to make tough decisions and tough calls about HR. And that's when I got to know him. That's when Rich and his dear wife, Shiloh, uh, came to New Spring. And uh, by the way, that is his dear wife, Shiloh. And she is a beautiful Christian lady. And Shiloh proves the absolute grace of God that Rich could get her. I will tell you that. And uh, But he's been at Bank of America for 18 years. And then in 2005, God led him into a, a shift of directions. And he came over to the east side. And he went to work for a company called Raytheon Aircraft. They're now Hawker Beechcraft. And Rich serves Hawker Beechcraft as vice president for HR. And he helped work through that transition. And just our conversations in the years that we've known each other, I've learned a lot from him about... Um, what, it, what it takes for a Christian to take the principles of Jesus, leverage them, and be a success in the work environment. So today i have asking him to join me. Would you join me, please, in welcoming Rich law Thank you, sir. Thank you, Rich. Thank you. This is three services now, right? Yeah. So now you know what it's like. Uh, I know. <laughs> I know. Hey, you know, I'm going to ask you this question. I've done this in the first two services, and I've got to do it. We're going to talk about, you know, being in the workplace. But my favorite story from your life is, is your family and how your family came to know Jesus uh, and the impact of missionaries. Would you just take a moment to tell us about that?
1: Sure. Uh, before I do that, though, let me mention a couple of things. You know, Andrew was putting my mic on again right. this morning, and he said, Rich, I'll have it on for when you talk. And I thought, thank you, Lord, because if you heard me saying, you won't like me. I won't <laughs> even like me. Uh This third one, the, the third session, the third service is also a tough one. You know, my family is here. Oh, And yeah. sitting with the Andover gang over there. And, and Nate has invited his friend today to come. They're, they're both football players, so go Trojans. <laughs> um, about my, my family, you know, um, on my mom's side, I'm the fourth Generation Christian. And on my dad's side, I'm a second generation Christian. And as we get older, as you well know, uh, we like to know about our families, you know, how they lived, what they did. And, and my mom was coming here three or four years ago. My grandmother was 90 years old at that time in India. And I said, Mom, before she gets too old, <laughs> uh, talk to her about Uh, her parents and and how they converted. And my mom brought quite a few stories about her family. And she said that my great-grandparents in India were converted by missionaries in India. In those days, you know, over 100 years ago, when when missionaries converted, they also recruited you to uh, spread the, the gospel. And there was no infrastructure in India. You literally walked from one place one village to, to the next village, and, and that's what you did. And it was a husband and wife team, by the way. It was wow. just, yeah, they, they just both traveled. And then my mom said, my grandmother looked at my mom and said, you know, that's how your dad and I met, because their families came together in a village and they were preaching. Wow. And that's how they met. On my dad's side, the story that you really like to, to hear is uh, my dad was, was born Hindu, um, he, his family was a very religious Hindu family, and he was fortunate enough to go to a Christian school which was run by a, a missionary woman from Indiana. And when he started school, um, and my dad told me the story, by the way, just months before he died. So I I just treasure it, you know. Um, she said, you know, I've been praying for you. And my dad said, he hmm. said, you know what? You pray? And how do you pray? He said, when I pray, I have to stand in front of an idol and just simply meditate. And, and they talked about prayer, and eventually he converted and became, became a Christian. And he was, um, you know, this is over 50, 60 years ago. He, he was persecuted for his faith, and he was prosecuted. And I, I've told you this story before. Um, he, they took him to court you know, implying that, that it was something that illegal that he had done. And the other side brought in a lot of witness experts, as, as uh, attorneys tend to do. And the fourth or, or the fifth one walks in there. This is an older person, real old man. And he looked at the judge and says, Your Honor, this young man keeps talking about his conversion and uh, relationship with God, and, and he said, you know, I'm 70-some years old, and I've been out in a jungle uh, searching for God, and at that moment, my dad stood up and said to the judge, uh, I sort of, I rest my case, <laughs> and, and, the, and the case was over, and wow. so he he had a, a very, very strong faith. You know, each of us have our own faith, uh, but I, I think when when you convert from that kind of a background and become a Christian, I think
0: that is a very special kind of faith. Uh, I know you've told me this story several times that when he accepted Christ as a teenager, he actually put his life at risk. Absolutely. You know, because he, there he, were people that want to take his life because yes, he accepted Christ. several times. Several I love times. that. Well, we're going to just jump right in this morning, Rich, and, and uh, I'd like for you to take, we've been talking about likability and true likability, not the, not the schmoozing kind of stuff, but I'd like for you to take a moment from, from your perspective as a, as a Christian businessman and take a moment to kind of like tell us what you look at as being true likability and what would, what would be not true likability in the workplace. I, I think um, you,
1: you talked about in one of your sermons, you know, you, you brought up um, the high-maintenance type folks. And, and I have my, my own sort of… <laughs> Category And that is, um, what is not likable is when, when one collects, um, or, or say it differently, when somebody is an injustice collector. You know, they've got a track record of all the bad things that have happened in the workplace and, and who, which supervisor, when, which manager has done it and when, and they just can't get over that. Um, that's not likability. Uh, the other one, I think, is, is a people-person kind of person. And you've heard me say this before. People who tend to try to please people never get anything done mm-hmm. because they, they just focus on pleasing this person. They move on to pleasing that person, and the projects kind of fall through the cracks, and, and the results are not there. And, so, uh, and the other one is being political, You know, trying to do things um, to get what you want without keeping the company's interest in mind or your team's interest in mind. So, Trying uh, to take I a shortcut, maybe? Should take, take a shortcut, like yeah. you say. Um, and, and, you know,
0: likability is working on it every day, and it's hard work. Well, you're talking about people who collect injustices, and I think that's really <laughs> true. Because there are, and, and, you know, there are Christians who do that, and the Bible teaches us to make sure that we keep short accounts uh-huh. and we forgive people when they hurt uh-huh. us. But do you ever find that those people tend to coalesce with other injustice collectors? Yes,
1: yes. And, and you know, the... As as we we you know become a global economy, things are beginning to get tough. You know the 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 bar for what we do and how we do it and who does it. The bar is being raised every day. Um, my my oldest son Sean is a banker and he's been there for less than three months and he's got goals and he's got to meet them. and And he like he's a competitive guy and likes to not only meet them but beat them. And so the bar is being raised, and, and, you know, you get in an environment where people just sort of um, do things that, that is contrary to the teamwork. Mm-hmm. Uh, they become very high maintenance. And, the and selfish really, side of it. Absolutely, and they really, don't, they, they really can't produce results. And, you know,
0: generally, it's, at the end of the day, it's about producing results. You know, I've, uh, I've been a leader for most of, most of my career, and, and because of that, I tend to, to talk with other leaders or whatever. Sometimes I meet leaders who don't think lackability is important. You know, they're just going to basically do what they do, and and without respect. And you can't uh, clearly you can't please everyone when you're a leader, and that would be that would be a terrible mistake to try to do that. But do you ever think about likability and leadership? Because I know you spend a lot of time developing leaders.
1: Likability, I you know, as I have said in the other services, you know, if you and I sat down for less than 15 minutes, we could come up with 30 things leaders do. You know, leaders do a lot of things. They make things happen. But the most important thing a leader does is he or she executes change. You know, as a leader, you drive change. You've done it, our church has done it lately for the last several months. You and your leadership team, Lance and others, uh, Dan and others, have, you know, we've talked about putting more focus on the kids' ministry. Mm-hmm. You know, that's driving change, or name change. And all people want is reason to change. Uh, you know, my, my favorite change quote is from Warren Buffett, who's having his shareholders meeting in Omaha and thousands flocked there to just listen to him for 30 minutes. And, and he has a great quote about change, and he says, change is great, you go first. <laughs> um, and none of us like change, really, by nature. Right? Right. And you have to give people reasons to change. So as a leader, if you're driving change and if you're not likable, you really can't do it. Mm-hmm. I, and so the, the trick is, or the idea is, that you drive change with speed, like you guys did with the kids' ministry. It was a very quick project, fast. Fast, quick, intense, and keep the negative impact as low as you can. And it'll still be likable. Right. So I think, I, I think uh, that's one direct way uh, leadership, uh, you know, is, likability is tied to leadership. Uh, right. through
0: change management and driving change. You know, uh, and again, I know that may, this may not be relevant to everybody, but I know that what leaders do is leaders amass capital and they spin capital in order to see change happen. Right. And, and I think oftentimes it's doing those things. That, and I'm not ta- again, I'm not talking about pleasing everybody, and like you said, but I'm talking about those elements that make a person truly likable that would allow you to amass, the ca- to amass the capital to actually affect change. Well, let's, let's turn this a little bit, because being uh, vice president for HR, you're involved with hiring in all levels. Uh, let's kind of walk through the, the whole process from the interview until you know, the end of a person's career if they were to stay with you guys. Yeah. Think about the interview process for a moment. Uh, you've got someone sitting across the table from you or in the room with you, and, and this person is seeking employment for a company that you either work for or have worked for. And we've already said that, that likability is not making a good impression. But at the same time, in that first encounter with someone, you're probably going to be looking for what you would determine to be the seeds of true likability. You're going to be watching for that. So what would give you the impression that you're talking to someone who's truly likable and might be an appropriate candidate for a position? Well, I, I, again,
1: one of the things I like about Likeability is it really uh, impacts all three components of a person 's career. It, it helps you get hired it helps you get um, uh, grow and get resources to grow and then it helps you get promoted so you 're talking about the interview piece. I look for um, two things when i 'm interviewing somebody i I am constantly looking for someone who is a no job description kind of person. When I see Lance here singing, I just get a feeling you don't have to have a job description for it. Oh, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I really think it's okay to know what the job is all about and if there is a good match. It's a very important piece of, of you applying for a job, but you got to be able to do whatever it takes to get the job done. That's my job description because that kind of person is flexible a good teammate and all the good things happen from that point. The second piece is, I really, uh, there are a lot of young people here that at some point will, will apply for a job or, um, or have or are in the process of applying. The other piece I look for is someone in the interview process who can look me in the eye and say, you know, give me the job. Uh, I want the job. Um, I interview people for sometimes for the highest level positions, you know, even VP positions, and they, they tell you everything except that they don't say, you know, I want the job, and and I think that's an important
0: piece. So I look for that. Mm. And so those would those would be things that you would think about as being likable. I mean, when you because you're asking yourself. Is this a person who's going to be attractive? Not only, like we talked about in the four, in secrets, or, or, or excuse me, it was the uh, sermon we talked about, you know, do we bring a plus right. as far as competence goes in relationship with other people? And then we actually go out to represent the corporation. Yes. So you're going to be looking for those things. Is this person a person who says, hey, I'm, I'm not going to come in here with all these demands of saying this is where I go and That's I don't right. go any further? Yeah. And then also you're looking for that person who says, I truly do want to be here.
1: Well, and, and that kind of ties in with, with um, you know, now you've interviewed somebody, then it kind of ties in with, you know, the job offer piece, the tipping yeah. point. That, that, that kind of you, th- you say to yourself, now I'm going to put a job offer together. And for, for that, what I look for is I would say three things. One is you, you, you hit the nail last weekend, you know, when, when, when you talked about being low maintenance. Um, You've got to be low maintenance, because um, the wor- the workplace today has become very complex. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you're high maintenance, it, it just consumes a lot of energy and time that people don't have anymore. So that's one thing I look for. The second one is, is you're sort of the one that I'm going to start calling now the J factor, and that's the Joseph factor. Uh, you talked about his attitude toward his circumstances, as well as his attitude toward authority. And the latter part to me is even more important, You know, because if, if you have a, a, an attitude that struggles uh, in terms of how you see the authority at workplace, mm-hmm. uh, I, I think you generally are going to be an, not a very likable person, because others see it, um, and it, it, it again, it goes, ties in with the injustice collection aspect of what I was saying so that's the second piece the third one is coachable you know my my kids are uh, in sports and they're athletes and I I really think doing extracurricular activities can can make you coachable you don't always have to be a football player if you're learning how to play piano or violin um, and somebody's coaching you how to do it or singing Uh, You know, you you are a coachable person. You know, I shared this story with you. When I was first, my first job was a management trainee position, and my boss said, hey, you know, Rich, um, you're now going to start managing somebody, and there comes a huge football player, you know, six feet, eight inches, and weighed 300-some pounds, and uh, sort of a little intimidating. But he was one of the most coachable guys, and and I actually, I recommended my supervisor to hire
0: him uh, because he was likable. The other day, you and I were talking about sometimes in in time past, you've had to bring someone in and confront them with uh, some maybe competency issues. And and you've actually had to say, you know, you've got X amount of time here to turn this thing around. Mm -hmm. And you were sharing that on occasion, you you feel like that person has never been disciplined or ever talked to before. And do you find that that's, that's becoming a problem that's, if not endemic, maybe a problem that's pretty pretty common today where you have people that have never really dealt with any discipline in their lives. And again, you know, we're talking about biblical concept, this thing of responding to authority. Um, do you find that maybe that's, that's a cultural problem today, maybe more so than when you start, started your No career? doubt.
1: You know, I started my business career almost 25 years ago, and I see that more often. You know, I, sometimes when I have to counsel someone, I feel like It was deer in the headlight kind of thing, you know, and you sit there and you say, man, the person is 45 years old, and it almost, he or she almost acted like they've never been disciplined. And, And so we've become, I think, too much. Uh, of a politically
0: correct kind of a society. Oh, I, I uh, see, I've seen that even as, as pastor of a church, you know, where someone is saying they're very happy as long as they can do things exactly their way. But yeah. if you have to come in and say, you know, I don't think that's working real well, but right. maybe we need to look at doing it this sure. way. It's like, you know, I've got my hackles up and I've been, you know, if you, it's either my way or I'm not going to do it at all.
1: Well, I, you know, that reminds me of a phrase that I used that I haven't used here with this series. And I just thought about it. You know, good leaders are also good followers mm-hmm. And all of us need to be led. We all have to remember that. And I think that impacts our attitude toward authority. Yeah. Uh, I need to be led. I have a boss. you know? Uh, you have several bosses. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so you know, if you want to be a leader, you have to be a good follower as well
0: well, let's go from the interview to now growth and development. The person has accepted the job. You know, you've seen the seeds of likability and you've seen enough to where you're, you're tendering an offer and the person accepts. Yeah. And now they, they become part of the corporation. Um, you know, I got to just tell you that this is probably one of the things that just eats my lunch in life. I'll see someone who will ramp it up. You know, they'll get ginned up in order to get a job or to get a husband or get a wife. And then when they've gotten what they want, to accomplish or what they want to get out of life then it's like okay i'm married so I've, i'm there i can go back to being myself and and i don't have to think anymore about being likable or i've got the job now and you know i've really done real well with yep. the interview yep. what are some things after a person gets the job that can cause his l factor to diminish i mean he's not as likable now because he, something has happened
1: well you know we talked about a couple of things don't be a you know, injustice collector. Don't be a high maintenance. There are a couple of others that I would say. My my biggest one uh, is is lack of trust and integrity. I, you know, my dad always used to say, uh, you know, if you lose the trust component in your life, you re- really at the end don't have much left. Mm. Now you can build it back up, right? And and sometimes those individuals. You know, are, are stronger for it, but but you know, lack of trust is one. The other one is being self-focused, self-centered. You know, as I said in the last service, you know, the the, the mindset that it's all about me, and and I joke about it by saying, you know, it's enough about me. Let's talk about <laughs> you. What do you think of me? Right. And and so I, I would say trust, um, self-focused, not. N- not thinking of others and constantly thinking of themselves. And it takes discipline to, mm-hmm. to, and reflection to sometimes say, you know, do I do everything that's about me? Is my schedule always, always around me? And, 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 and I think those are a couple that I would mention. The other one is, is being me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you know, that can destroy it. I, I think you can be very direct, you can be open, you can be candid. You can make tough decisions. You can also be compassionate, depending on the situation, and, and be a good listener. Uh, generous at times. Um, but I think you can't be mean to people. Mm-hmm. If you have to make a tough decision, you have to execute it with, with a lot of compassion, as much compassion
0: as you can do it with. What if, What about that person that, uh, and I'm just curious if you ever see the situation, where someone is likable and has those truly likable characteristics, but perhaps they hit an area of development that this person doesn't feel capable of of rising to. You know, when I was in high school, I read a book called The Peter Principle, which is the first business paradigm book that I ever read, which is that everybody sooner or later rises to his level of incompetence. But if you think about this person Do you ever see a situation where somebody just, like, doesn't seek the development, doesn't seek the help necessary to take that next step? Is that ever an issue?
1: Uh, It's a big issue. Um, uh, You know, I I think I shared this with you Friday when we had lunch. You know, I, I like to say that your development is something you do. You drive the bus. You know, that's where a big, big problem exists today at workplace. I think uh, a lot of us have a tendency to think somebody's going to come and give us a training schedule or, or mentor or a growth opportunity. Well, it doesn't happen that way. I, I like to say MYD, manage your development. Mm-hmm. Others can help, including your manager, but drive that boss. You are in charge of that. Reflect on it. See how you're growing and if you stop growing figure out what you need to do but it is your deal uh, you know your employer can help but but that's a big issue mark I uh, you're not
0: gonna ask me that but that's, <laughs> a, a, that's a great one. okay here's the person now, now you are beginning to think about promotability because you know you've, you brought someone in perhaps in a basic position but now there's an opening there's a, there's a there's a niche where you're going to need to fill a spot and you're, you're thinking, I've I brought in this likable person, but now I've got to think about, can I take them to the next level? Mm-hmm. So I'd just like to ask you about, what about likability, true likability again? I keep saying true because a true. lot of our culture has the wrong idea of right. that term. Absolutely. But what about true likability and promotion? Does it bear on that? Absolutely. I think, in
1: general, you cannot get promoted if you're not likable, truly likable. And I like like the sermon title. It's just not likable, truly likable. It it does um, play a role every time. You know, you've talked about it. People like to do things with people they like. And if you talk about, you know, in my case, I spend more than one-third of my life at work. So, so, uh, you know, you you, you always... uh, think about that. But, but, you know, Stephen Covey that you mentioned wrote a book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, one of the best business books ever written, I think. And he talks about two Cs. He talks uh, to be successful in what you do. And he talks about uh, competency and character. Hmm. And my personal philosophy is that competency is extremely important. He's exactly right. Character, we talked about trust and integrity and honesty, and, and that is important, but to really hit the home run, you gotta have a third one, that's likability.
0: Mm-hmm. I and mean, because what happens if you promote a competent person, and maybe even that person is a person of high moral integrity, but what if that person's difficult for people to work for? That's right. Or work with? do you then at the executive level start saying, oh, I don't know if that, that wasn't a good idea because even though this person is very skilled and very proficient, he's not easy to work with. No, that's right. And, and sometimes it
1: can be too late to learn how to be like, <laughs> especially at work. And those are some of the
0: then some of the tough decisions we make as leaders. You know, we're starting a series next week called Life, Inc. on Mother's Day. And it's all about... You know how life marks us and how you know how that we 're marked by sin and how that you know Jesus was marked for us and and and, and all these things that we 're going to be talking about, but one of the issues i 've been thinking about a lot as i 'm prepping for that series is that many times Christians have unresolved issues with people, maybe unforgiveness that 's long seated long, long standing there, and then frequently I, f- I wonder if we don 't carry that into the work environment with us, and a lot of that difficulty that we we see sometimes in people is that they're still angry over something that happened years before you ever see something absolutely
1: like that? absolutely and you know what we forget is uh, when you have those issues uh, there is just so much workplace can do for you that's right um, and I think employers are generally good they mean uh, well and they have resources uh, but I think you know we do have uh, our own responsibilities where we have to seek out help other than from work. And, and you bet. You can, you can bring those issues to work, and it can complicate you in a, in a hurry. It can well, become a big issue.
0: You know, Rich, one of, you and I have been good friends for a lot of years, and, and uh, we, we get together and talk about these things all the time. And, and one of the reasons why I really enjoy listening to you is that not only are you at the top of, of what you do, and I think you're the best at, at what, that I've ever seen at what you do. Thank you. But also I know you have a passion to follow Jesus, and I know how that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. And, and, and you know, even though you're at the top of your game in, in the business world, I know that still at the top is Jesus and then Shiloh and the boys and then work, which I, which I admire so much. I'd like to take a few moments to talk about being a believer in the workplace and likability and how it relates to Jesus. I mean, in the first message, I talked about how that Jesus was likable, Luke 2.52, it says he grew more likable every day. So from a businessman's perspective, um, what do you think about when I say Jesus is likable? I mean, does that, does that relate? Do you, does it well, translate to it, the it world? clicks with me right away, um, uh, you
1: know, and I'll mention a couple of things. Um, the, the, the insight that I use to Jesus's likability are two main main components. Um, one is the Sermon on the Mount. You know, you, you read that and you instantly know he was likable. You, you just have to believe that if, if you really read it repeatedly. Right. <laughs> uh, and so th- that helps. The second piece is, you know, my, my dad used to be called upon to, to, to preach frequently, and he used to use parables. And so I've, as a young boy, I learned to read those parables. You know, the, the, the prodigal son was the best story ever told, as right. you said. And when you read his parables, you, you always find one uh, likable character. And then Shalom mentioned to, to me last night, and she said, you know, each parable also is, is very much action-oriented. Mm-hmm. There's always an action there. And, and so when you, when you think of what he stood for and the parables that you read, and, um, and also then he took on tough issues. You know, right. we talk about oh, workplace. Yeah. Um, I, I think sometimes the problem we have, um, and I struggle with that as well, uh, let me just tell you, and that is to think, well, if people find out I'm a Christian, then I have to be perfect. Well, we make mistakes. Like you said, you have to learn to be likable. So you're not always going to say right things. You're not always going to make right decisions, and you learn from those. So you can be imperfect and forgive yourselves. <laughs> the other thing is, as Christians sometimes, we, we worry that if people find out I'm a Christian and if I manage and lead, then they would think that, that I can't make tough decisions. Right, right. Well, uh, nothing can be farther From the truth if you we talked about Jesus's teachings and parables Um, you know he taught about he gave us hope and vision uh, forgiveness and empathy and be a good listener and love and all of that stuff but his message was also about responsibility and you look and you read those parables you learn very quickly that it was also about accountability and and he also talked about consequences mm-hmm. in those parables, good and bad. Um, and so, um, you know, as Christians, we, we shouldn't hesitate to say to ourselves, you know, when I'm called upon to make a tough decision or do a tough business thing that I have to, that it, that it is unbiblical. It,
0: I, I Personally, I don't believe that. Well, in all three of these services, I had to get to one question sure. because uh, 30 years of pastoring, you know, people will come to me on occasion who come from different segments of the workplace, and they'll say, "Well, Mark, you just don't understand. I can't, I can't be a Christian in this environment. You know, I I work around people that that they have one particular way of doing things, and it's not a Christian way. So if I go into that environment, and I'm a follower of Jesus, I'm going to be like a, a sheep among wolves." Uh, there'll be people that say, "You just don't understand. In, in this environment, the margins are just so tight and." the you know it's so cutthroat you, you just can't be completely honest in this business you just can't have full disclosure in this business so i've, I've been told that many times and of course i know what's wrong but the I, I just know as we're talking about likability here in the work environment there there may be some christians here who are saying it's just not easy it's it's easier to be unlikable in my environment than it is to be likable so i just like to ask you that question should it be hard or easy for a Christian to be likable in the workplace? Well, I, I,
1: first of all, I think if you compromise and say I'd rather be unlikable and not be noticed, um, uh, I think that, that's a sad kind of living, in mm-hmm. my opinion. You know, you, you really, um, that's a bad mindset, I think. I think um, you, you draw your value system and, and what you believe, believe in from somewhere. You and I have talked about that several times. Uh, for us, it comes from here. Mm-hmm. And for uh, people who don't believe in it, then it, it has to come from somewhere. You know, your peers, you, the company you keep, the television or, or whatever. So it's going to come from somewhere. Your value system is going to be established somehow. And so when you think of where yours should come from and all the lessons that you can get from the Bible, that should be our edge, <laughs> not a disadvantage. And, and, and so, you know, the answer may not be it's easy or hard. The, the answer is, is it's, it's a great resource to have to make you successful.
0: I think that's, that's, that's the way I see it. You know, this final question, Rich. Um, I've followed your career now for all the years that you've been at Messiah New Spring. And one of the things that I've watched is there seems to be an element in your career that's where the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. Because I know you follow these principles that we've talked about. But, I mean, do you feel, I, I guess I just, uh, we haven't even talked about this question. But do you feel that the hand of God has been on you in your career? Because we talked about in the first part of this message how that Christians sometimes get the idea, this is my church life and this is my business life. Do you I mean, do yes, you feel yes, like God's hand has well, been on you? Throughout?
1: I do. And and you know, and I use all the resources and you're one of them. I've used you to give me that strength. And and yes, I do. You know, after the first service this morning and I'm glad you asked me that question. A gentleman stopped me and he said, you know, one of the pastors in the past told him that that he thought that David, and I'm not comparing myself to David, by the way, but it, 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 it's, it's relevant to the question. He said, the pastor told this gentleman that he felt that David generally was likable to God. Mm-hmm. And I, I think you may even have said that in the past. And, and so, yes, it, it matters. That's
0: great. Have you enjoyed Rich this morning? <clears throat>
1: I know you don't want to be embarrassed, but I'm going to do it. You didn't give me this opportunity in the first service, okay? <laughs> I want to tell you on all of our behalf that you are our likable leader, <laughs> right? Thank you. And the, the second thing I want to um, tell you, Mark, is I, I basically want to thank you for, for your um, leadership, leadership. And your sermons. As, as I told you Friday when we had lunch, you know, you, you preach what I call practical results based sermons. And I use them, um, believe me, in my life and, and in my career, and just please keep doing
0: it. <laughs> well, thank you, Rich. I appreciate that so much. <clears throat> you know, guys, I know we've, it's time for the service to end. Um, but no service ever ends at New Spring without us talking about making a connection with Jesus Christ. Because you could take, I'm, I really believe this with all my heart, you could take every principle Rich talked about and you could be more successful than you are right now. Because these are God's principles. You could Even if you never follow Jesus, you could do that. But the problem is you'd only have this life. And beyond that, even though you could take these principles and still be successful, nothing is like having Jesus Christ in your life. Because he's the only person who can make you a success at home, in the workplace, or any place else where you go in life. Now, the Bible is so different from religion. Now, Rich, I was thinking about, you know, you're talking about your grandfather and, and about how that, you know, this so-called holy man had said for 50 years or he'd been meditating and he didn't have a personal relationship with God. And how could the 16-year-old boy have a relationship with God? Well, it's just the difference between God and religion. Because religion is just man's flailing attempt to try to connect with a higher power. This book is about God's desire to connect with you. Do you know that? People ask me, how can you find the right religion? (laughs) That's so backward. God's finding, he's trying to find you. God's searching for you. We don't search for God, he searches for us. And the greatest greatest example of God searching for us was that when we had no hope by ourselves, like Rich just said, we can't be perfect. Well, perfection is what it takes to get into heaven. And since we couldn't be perfect, God loved us enough that he gave his perfect son, Jesus, into our world so that he could live the life that we can't live and then die on the cross and take the punishment that we should have had in hell forever. And the Bible says that if we will accept Jesus, we get his record and we get him paying for our sin. And guys, that's the greatest deal I've ever heard in my life. Some people say, well, you got to clean up your act and then you can come to God. I can tell you what, if that's the case... There's not a single one of us in this room who has a chance, because even as a believer, I still struggle for my life to be as clean. I still struggle to be perfect, and I'm not. But only Jesus can be perfect for you. And here's the thing: I love this. I, I've never thought of a, 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 maybe a better way to explain this. You know, with the age of computers, you know, when we started working with the mouse, you got the the, the click and drag. Well, what happened was when Jesus died, in God's mind, our sins were clicked and dragged over to Jesus. And when he died on that cross, when he hung there for six hours, the way God saw it, he paid for your sins and my sin. And then he clicked on to Jesus' righteousness, and he dragged it over to me so that when God looks at my name in in, in the records of heaven, he sees the record of Jesus Christ. And I tell you that because, you know, I was on my, my deck yesterday afternoon for a little bit, and I was thinking about the, the people who, who lost their lives tragically in the tornado. And I thought, you know what? This time yesterday, they had no idea they were going to die. They're just like us. But in a moment, the world changed forever, and now they're in eternity. And so my question for all of us here today is, have you invited Jesus Christ into your life to be your Lord and Savior? Because that's your only hope. You know, you can say, well, Mark, I'm a Baptist. Sorry, I'm a Catholic. That isn't going to do anything. Only Jesus, only Jesus. And you have to invite him personally into your life. And if you've never done that, I want to give you a chance to do that. Because no religion, no church, not even New Spring. New Spring can't take you to heaven. But we can tell you about the one who can. And he can transform your life. And if you would invite him, if you would, you know, you know what it's like to open the door to someone. I mean, how many times do we hear the doorbell ring and you say, I just don't want to answer the door. I'm just going to go to the basement and pretend I don't hear. And I think people do that in church sometimes. The Lord is, is at the door and people are saying, I just don't want to answer. What I'm asking you today is to open that door and invite Jesus Christ into your life. And if you want to do that, you can pray with me right now. Would you bow your head, please? And we'll, we'll just pray. And I'm going to give you a prayer. You don't have to pray these exact words. But if you want a prayer to pray, here's the deal. The Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you'll call, he'll listen. Would you pray with me, please? Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I don't want to go down this road anymore. I want Jesus Jesus, would you come into my life, save me, and forgive me. I trust you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, that's a simple prayer. But the Bible says whoever calls, and we've got a lot of examples in the Bible of people who just prayed to receive Jesus, and God saved them. Thief on the cross, the Ethiopian, all kinds of stories of people who did just what you did, now, here's what I'd like for you to do. I've, I've already torn my card off my worship folder in the early service, but you got a detachable card on your worship folder, and if you pray with me to receive Jesus like people do every weekend, and I love to hear about it, would you just check that first box? I know it's a small thing, but it's like your first step of, of, making, of making it public. And would you just check that and say, Mark, I pray with you to receive Jesus. And if you'll put some address that I can send materials to this week, I'll give you three. Easy to understand booklets that will help you take the decision you've made and understand it very clearly. So, if you'll just give give me some kind of address, we'll send those to you this week. There are also boxes you can check if you want information about the church. And uh, there's a little white field here if you want to pray if you want us to pray for some need in your life. And you can just drop these cards at the back in the boxes at the back of the worship center or at the bottoms of the staircases, and uh, we'll respond to you. We'll want to help you any way we possibly can. I'm going to ask our ushers to come forward now to receive the weekend offering. There are some envelopes right there in the pew back in front of you. And uh, we'd encourage you today, if you're part of our family, to trust God in this matter. Because God has promised to multiply your gift and to turn back around and bless you more than you can imagine. If you're our guest here, please don't feel pressured to give unless God is talking to you about that. But this is for our church family to meet the needs of the gospel through our church and around the world. Let's ask God's blessing upon the offering. Father, we do thank you for what we've heard today. Thank you for Rich's insights and your word, most of all, that teaches us how to live our lives. Lord, I thank you for those who have prayed to receive Christ today. And, Lord, our hearts also go out to those who are suffering uh, with the devastation that hit our state. Lord, I pray for your grace upon them, especially those, Lord, who have lost loved ones, lost their homes. Lord, Please minister to them. Help us to know how to minister to them. And now, Lord, we pray that you'll receive our gifts and multiply them for the kingdom. In Jesus' name. Amen. Rich. Thank you.